Good morning, Dave Plyer in for Bob Surratt this morning. Paul Lisnick has politics covered on WGN-TV, the WGN Morning News, Sunday's political report. Paul, how are you? Did you take some time off this holiday weekend? Dave Plyer, I well, no, you know what? You, you, you've got the show prep to do and things like that, and I'm kind of always following news and, and politics and all of that, so I, I'm not sure whether I'm never off or always off. I can't quite figure that out, but <laughs> okay. it was a nice holiday, and I and uh, I know this was a tougher one for you this year, but I, I, do, uh, I do hope you had a, a nice Christmas. I appreciate that, Paul. You know, I asked you last week to join us because the political scene locally and nationally has been always at the top of the headlines, but just when I thought things couldn't get any more divisive. It just gets worse, doesn't it? it well, it, it is crazy. And, you know, I have, to, I have to say something sort of up front, because, of course, we have so many people who watch WGN-TV and, and watch me there on our news programs where I cover, cover politics. And, you know, I always try and explain to people that my job with WGN is I am an analyst. I'm not a commentator. Yes, that's true. So whatever you talk, and I think it's a good comment to make before we get into any of this, because as soon as you say the name Trump or Biden or whatever, it triggers people to think yeah. you are actually taking a position on it. That's not my goal. That's not my job. My job is to say, here's what one side says. Here's what the other side says. Listeners, viewers, you decide how you feel about it. So always try and convince people uh, and let them know that I'm, I'm not here to take positions on things. I just want people to understand what's going on. Yeah, you've always got the facts, and you keep it at the facts. I, I, I do share a little bit more of the opinion, but I will tell you, during the holiday season and at the dinner table, that's one thing that we pretty much established as a family. We're not talking politics at the table, because that could just Smart. yeah get crazy, for sure. Um, on the national stage, and by the way, you gave me national, local. If you got about two hours, uh, we could go through all this, because exactly. it's a lot. Let's just stay on until I show up at two. Let's yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, let's start off with Speaker McCarthy, in and then out. Look, this was a historic year when it comes to that kind of situation. Fifteen votes to for Republicans once they got control uh, to get a speaker in place. Uh, and that's because there's this tension between the what most people call the MAGA Republicans, the Trump sorting Repu- uh, Trump supporting Republicans and others. And um, it was quite the battle. But Kevin McCarthy found that by having to make promise after promise, to different factions was the only way he was going to get there. It's been sort of his lifelong goal to become speaker. So he did it. He made lots of promises. And then, of course, sometimes you make promises you just can't keep. Uh, and so he and one of the rules he allowed in as a compromise was, OK, any one person can vote for my ouster or can can request my ouster. And that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, a stunning replacement process uh, in terms of Mike Johnson coming in where, you know, it's funny on my own show where I interviewed Congress, members of Congress, whatever, like even Madam Kinsinger. I said, so we have Mike Johnson. Um, did you have to Google him, too? And yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I did. Goes, no, I actually knew him a little bit. He goes, but it's true. It was sort of a surprise. This guy comes out of nowhere. Only now we see he does fit the mold of sort of that Trump-supporting person. So the MAGA folks are happy he's there. So I'll do the commentary before I turn it over to you. But Santos is out, and he should be out. Um, well, arguably, <laughs> for everything he did. But, you know, he's got a lot of people supporting him. Here's the thing about George Santos. I don't think you've seen the last of him. You're, you might have seen the last of him in Congress. This is one creative guy, right? So he's making a ton of money on Cameo. He's very present on, on Twitter. I think he's going to be around. And there is talk about uh, he's in plea negotiations with the government. So while there are a lot of people said that, well, you know, the one thing he did that really bothered me is that most people who know me know I'm all about pets and dogs and animals and stuff. So that little thing he's accused of doing, of taking several thousand dollars that was supposed to go to this military vet to, to pay for the surgery for his dog, and then he never turned the money over and the dog died, that's the kind of thing that I, like, have no no 
<laughs> I keep my opinion about right. it. When it comes to animals, I want to support them. And the bottom line is, uh, Santos is trying to work out a plea. He wants to avoid jail time. A lot of people who are frustrated by what he did would like him to see some prison time. Uh, but we'll see whether or not a deal can be struck. From the feds, of course, I've, I've worked a lot in government and with juries and trials and all that. The bottom line is a closed case is a happy case. So we'll see if they can strike a deal. Top of the headlines all year, Ukraine and Israel. Well, yeah, and, and of course, not only top of the year, but now here at the end of the year, they become just as important because um, everybody left Congress. Is there additional funding for Ukraine? No. Is there additional support for Israel? No. Uh, and, and some would say, and by the way, this is not a comment about whether we should or should not support Ukraine or Israel. People have their own views on that. The bottom line is the government has always taken the time to uh, to support uh, Israel as the only democracy in the Middle East and all that, so they send the money. The reason that they weren't able to get it together over those funds has to do with our own border. Now, again, there's people who say, darn right, we got to take care of our own border first. Not making a judgment call on it. Simply saying that the that um, Republicans were able to block it by saying, until you put lots of money behind the border problem, we're not giving you anything on Ukraine and Israel. Will they resolve it in the new year? Most likely they will. Biden has been open to negotiating on the border, which arguably he should be. It yes. is a problem in this country. Yeah. But those, those, things, those things seem to go together. Israel, the only thing I'll say, and you, know, you don't have to respond to this, but it's not being uh, easy to be Jewish at an American university. I mean, administrators have indeed, I think, mostly failed the Jewish students, the staff, the faculty, uh, you know, fears of imposing censorship. But these university leaders, it was an embarrassment, um, you know, in front of Congress. And speaking of Congress, 118th Congress is most unproductive since the Great Depression. Yeah, they passed 27 laws, and that includes things like renaming a veterans clinic. You know, that kind of, it's not like, oh, 27 Jeez. huge things? No, no, no. Uh, that includes everything. And uh, and somebody would say, well, how does that compare? Well, in 2022, um, prior to their taking over control, there were 248 laws. The typical passage is about 191, just under 200. So the bottom line is they, did, uh, they didn't do a lot. In fact, it's sort of interesting at the end of the term when you had people like Chip Roy, Republican from Texas, who went to the microphone and literally screamed. Uh, into the microphone, clearly doing this for television cameras, but basically, name one thing we've done, one thing that our party has done while we are in control. So a lot of frustration from them. On the other hand, you have a lot of the MAGA Republicans who basically believe that government doesn't serve any purpose, government doesn't do anything. So for them, arguably, it's mission accomplished because they didn't want anything to happen to prove their point that government doesn't accomplish anything. President Biden, the impeachment inquiry underway, Hunter Biden investigation, uh, not sure why the DOJ isn't involved, but I mean, these are two another two big headlines, and we'll get to Trump later for sure. Yeah, well, so in, just to focus on Biden for this moment, look, you know, you may remember back when Hillary was running against uh, Trump, um, the Congress under Republican control had the whole Benghazi hearings. Remember that? And Clinton testified for 11 hours and stuff back in 2016. And even there, Republicans admitted all of that was done as a political tactic to kind of ruffle up the, the presidential election. So when you look here, where even most Republicans will tell you um, there may be some smoke when it comes to Biden, there is no fire there, they can't find anything, and all we hear is Hunter, 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 and Hunter's friends. And Hunter Biden is being prosecuted by the government, which I always find interesting under the, uh, when we talk about Trump. But people who think Biden controls the, the DOJ, I've worked with the DOJ. I can tell you, no, he doesn't. And if he did control the DOJ, would he let them indict his own son? But I think the whole notion of what Hunter did belongs in the Department of Justice. Due to Hunter, what they must is what needs to happen here. Why Congress is involved is because they're trying to find some tie between Biden. Um, I've talked to several, including Republicans, who have said there really is just nothing. Nothing, nothing we've seen yet is there. 
But yet we're going to have this impeachment inquiry, yeah. and I really think that's because ultimately there will be an impeachment vote. Do I think they will impeach Biden? Yeah, I just think that they will, unless they lose any more votes. They only have two to go now after January 1st because Kevin McCarthy has left Congress. They don't really have the, the room. So if a, if a few Republicans say there's nothing here, I'm not going to vote for it, it wouldn't happen. But expect it to move in that direction because they want to be able to balance off what Trump is going through and sort of say, well, look, Biden's doing the same thing. or He's gone through the same thing. Paul Lisnick from WGN-TV is talking with us about the year in politics. We're going to hit the state, city, and let's move to Trump. This could be an entire segment. Well, there's a lot going on with him, right? Four indictments, 91 counts. Uh, Trump supporters who believe the whole thing is political. That's about keeping him from from being president. The reality of it is the Department of Justice is truly an independent organization. Again, I was a jury consultant for 30 years. I work with the Department of Justice and prosecutions, but I also work on the defense side. And I can just tell you that they're just, they follow the evidence. That's what prosecutors do, whether people like to believe that or not. Um, the real question a lot of people ask is, will he face a trial prior to the election? It actually looks less likely now that any of these things may make their way. The Supreme court refused to get involved in at least one of the one of the constitutional issues regarding his immunity so we will see but there are those who believe that he should face some kind of trial and if he's vindicated then voters should know that and if he's found guilty then voters should be able to weigh that in too but lots of lots of trump i mean his life is going to be unbelievably hectic uh in 2024 between literally going from courtroom to courtroom for a variety of there are other cases we don't talk about i mean there's the the eugene carroll and you know there's some money cases different things like that going on but he's going to be a busy man as he tries to do that and cover election as well but it does affect the polls and very positively for for him uh, well that's what's interesting about it you would say with all the legal things coming up wow his his popularity must be plummeting and yet every time something happens uh, his popularity goes up and that's because look whatever he is he is a master of of the spin and master of marketing so basically where he's been able to say that this is joe biden and the democrats who have made all this stuff happen once again as a lawyer uh, and as somebody who's worked with the department of justice i can say it's a great political argument because a lot of people tend to buy it but there there's not much truth to it it's just not how the prosecution or prosecutors work they just don't do it um but he he is he is he's brilliant at being able to essentially project back whatever's happening to him that's negative and turn it right on to biden there's a lot of accusations of him that you know he wants to be an authoritarian even he says well i will be for a day um and i think one sometimes he said it would be two days but he talks about all of that and what does he say at the podium uh, it's joe biden who who wants to see democracy go away he's the one who's a dictator and again a lot of people who support trump just stand behind that and there's there's it's 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 a uh, it's a strength and a belief system that he's created in people that's almost inexplicable but people who believe in him believe in him very strongly dave with the release of the january 6 tapes uh paul why are the faces blurred i mean for what reason well, that's that's also a really interesting question. First of all, January 6th tapes have already been released, right? Remember, Tucker Carlson, he had them, so they're out there, and people get them. Mike Johnson, the new speaker, it's an interesting argument. You have to kind of process before you kind of can try to make sense of it, because he says, well, I want to block the faces, because I don't want anybody to, to get in trouble. The government might come after him. Okay, so now step back from that. Well, first of all, if these people broke the law, why do you want to cover their faces? Shouldn't they get in trouble if they've broken the law? And, and secondly, it, it, either they are what a lot of, of um, MAG Republicans believe. Well, they were Antifa. They were Black Lives Matter. That's who they were. Well, then why would you want to cover their faces? You know, then let people be out there. Let's see that they're Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Right. And if they're Trump supporters, so be it. But again, if they have broken the law, why would you want to cover their faces? It's a little it's bit confusing true. as to why he'd make that decision. It's very true. All right, let's move to this state. Uh, the Safety Act. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, some people, you know, at this point, who remembers, right? <laughs> we yeah. passed the Safety Act, all sorts of provisions. The one that got the most notice, of course, was that cash bail provision that now is in law. There was a lot of gloom and doom over that. Um, we do need to see how it continues to play out. Uh, the cash bail, and the courts upheld it, you know, going to the Illinois Supreme Court. It's not going to go to the state, to the um, federal Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, because they don't really dabble in state issues unless there are federal questions that get raised. And so the cash bail system in Illinois um, underway. And, you know, the bottom line is when that doesn't work, I'm not so sure it would be about the law itself. It's about the decision that a judge makes or that a prosecutor pursues, those kinds of things. I think that's where, as we watch this play out in the coming years, that it's around. Uh, rather than sort of look at does the law work, is take a look at what judges are doing. Um, are they keeping people in prison who need to continue to stay there, or are they being easy on them? The problem tends to be in that world and, and, and lawyer prosecutor world more so than it may very well be in the law itself the illinois assault weapons ban also hit the headlines it did and in fact that went to the supreme court saying justice amy coney barrett who who looks over our our we're part of her district it was her opportunity to step in and say okay stay that law i'm good and she didn't do it so, interestingly enough, the assault weapons ban will probably and ultimately make its way up to the Supreme Court for a decision. But the notion of there were there were a lot of uh, you know Second Amendment people who said, "Wait, our, our rights are being irreparably harmed right now. You've got to put this law on hold." And she refused to do it. And um, and to date, the, the whole court has not stepped in to do anything about it. So the law continues, and we'll just see whether or not it works its way into the Supreme Court. Um, to date, we're, we'll wait to see whether they take it. And of course, we got abortion protections uh, that have been talked about all year, especially the beginning of the year. And that, of course, Dave, ties into the whole election coming up, right? right? So Joe Biden, who's a very, you know, very Catholic person, whatever, abortion's always been a very difficult issue for him. But one of the things he came to understand after the Dobbs decision, which overruled Roe versus Wade, was that this is probably the, the most powerful and strongest thing Democrats have going for them in a new election. We see that every time a state, even recently Ohio, when a law comes up that basically, um, you know, would take away abortion rights in that state, that's the whole idea of overturning Roe versus Wade, states, states are supposed to decide. But the people aren't having it, and the people are not supporting uh, abortion restrictions in their elections. So we'll see how that goes going forward. But in Illinois, this is a state conversation. We've, of course, seen the democratically controlled legislature continue to add in more and more protections for those people who seek or need an abortion. Let's move to the city. A big chain, uh, change in the front office. Mayor Johnson was elected. And it was a surprise. Just the way Mayor... Uh, Lori Lightfoot was a surprise when she won. You know, she was at 3%. Uh, Mayor Johnson comes, I won't say out of nowhere, he's Cook County Commissioner and all that, but but it wasn't the one where you, you put your money on him. And, and there he was, and he came through. And look, uh, he's somebody that is lining very strongly with a lot of the, the Socialist Democrats on City Council. He wants to push an agenda that's all about, you know, mental health help more so than putting, you know, the, the, the 1,700 cops on the street that Paul Vallis wanted to put there. So that's his agenda. He won. What I will say about him, and I know you'll move through some other issues, Issues, but let's put it this way. Everybody gets a honeymoon when you're first in office. And I will tell you on the next issue, I think you're going to bring up the honeymoon is over. Yeah, the honeymoon is absolutely over. I mean, I, you know, I know you're not giving grades on anything, but it's certainly appears to be an agenda, you know, run by the CTU and other progressive buddies of, of his. But the migrant crisis is out of control in the city and it just keeps pushed to one city to another with no resolution. I mean, the police stations were absolutely jammed with folks with absolutely no plan in place. 
well, that's been the problem, and that's what ended his honeymoon. Look, he has gotten a fair amount of legislation done already in his first five months you know, or so that, that he's been in office since May, uh, six months. He, he's gotten a lot of legislation done. But when it comes to the migrant crisis, that's one that this city, the state, is just not prepared for. Now, part of the problem, look, I want to give him a little break in this because part of this is Greg Abbott, whose theory seems to be the, the cruelty is the pain. Greg Abbott seems to say, look, they're coming into Texas and I'm dealing with it, so you know what, Chicago and New York, you deal with it. And rather than sort of working with Mayor Lightfoot in the past, Mayor Johnson now, who probably would sit down with Governor Abbott and say, we get it and we get you need help, let's talk about handling this in the proper way, Abbott won't do it, in come the buses, in come the... And by the way, so what did, what did Johnson do? Well, we're going to impound those buses that don't follow the rules. So what does Abbott do? We're going to charter some planes. Yeah. One way or another, Greg Abbott's not willing to play well in the sandbox, and that's what's creating the problem for us. It's a problem for Johnson. It's a problem for the city of Chicago. But the problem really is that Texas will not work with us to handle this properly. Yeah, you know, there's sanctuary cities that are not on the border, and there's 2.5 million uh, pushing into this country plus, and it's just constant. And, you know... You raise your hand and say you want to help, and then you can't help. And yes, there could be an organized way, but this is the biggest thing that I think is going to be the headline for for Johnson uh, this year. There's also uh, by, the, by the way, there was a push to get a referendum on the ballot in March to have people decide: Do you still want Chicago to be a sanctuary city? A lot of pressure. They've kept that from getting on the ballot. I've only got like like thirty seconds left, but let's get to the Ed Burke trial. I mean, that was you know pretty impactful uh, for a guy that's been around for a very long time. And we just need 30 seconds because he was convicted on 13 or 14 counts. Yes, uh, his history. But here's the thing. A lot of people said, I hope he goes to jail forever. Here's the bottom line. June 19th will be his sentencing. And what people need to understand is it's not just the bad things he was convicted of, but that will be the opportunity to hear all of the good things he's attempted to do in his 50-plus year career. Um, so whether you like him or not, he also did a lot of things on the positive side. He was a cop, written books, all sorts of things. And the bottom line is all that will come into play. I don't think he's going to see the 30 and the 40 years people think he's going to get in prison he will get a prison term there's no way to avoid that uh you are filling in for lisa den today what do you got coming up hey we got some fun stuff coming up i've got well of course terry savage because people know they get they get terry with lisa on tuesdays i'm not going to change that and howard tolman as well but i'm talking to larry yando who plays ebenezer scrooge in good this is my chance to do a lot of theater you know i love theater and so uh he's scrooge in christmas carol we're going to talk with larry anti-cruelty's coming in because i'm all about dogs and they're going to talk about things coming up i've got the cast of stomp joining me uh a, a guy named david witter who wrote a book called amazing chicago is going to be with me places in chicago you never heard of and you're a beatles fan and i know a lot of others there are ken womack is going to join me on a book he just wrote oh. about Mal Evans, who was like the Sherpa for the Beatles. We'll do some politics tomorrow with Mike Quigley and all that, and tomorrow I've also got the cast of, of a Jersey Boys coming in, and, and uh, Second City, the whole group's coming in. Just saw the show, they're fantastic. It's going to be pandemonium in the studio. Two to six today and tomorrow I'll be in for Lisa. I hope your fans will join me. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, pal.